Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Matt Trent of WBRZ out of Baton Rouge. And Matt, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Yeah, man, good to hear from you. It's been a while. It has been a while, man, and a lot of things have happened between these two uh, programs that are going to be meeting this week, and especially with LSU. And we'll just start right there. LSU sitting there 7-2, and two, had a great year so far, started off a little bit rocky, but have turned it around, big win against Alabama. Just how's the morale and how's the vibe down there in Baton Rouge? Well, you, when you said that there's been so much going on between these two programs since we last talked, I, I wanted to say, yeah, and for LSU, it's been all positive, which <laughs> is a rarity over the past two years, you know? But, you know, I think that a lot of people in Baton Rouge and around LSU football, a lot of people have said that that was one of the most important wins this past weekend against Alabama in the program's history because, Look, to start things off, we were kind of unsure. We really weren't unsure about Brian Kelly. We were really unsure about how quickly the trajectory was really going to take off for this team. I had them going 7-5 and five this season. A lot of people had 7-5, and five, either 8-4. And we had no idea, you know, after the Florida State game where you lost on an extra point, that we would be sitting here atop the SEC West after beating Alabama, controlling your own destiny to Atlanta. And it's really kind of been a whirlwind in a good way because it really has happened so fast. And Brian Kelly has implemented everything so quickly that I think it's far beyond anybody else's wildest imagination. That, of course, was the best win so far this season, um, given the circumstance and everything that was at stake. But where did you see this team kind of start turning things around or seeing those glimpses of the team getting better? You know, I, I, I'll be honest. Like, I, I would really say we saw flashes of it in Florida State. You know, the second half where they really kind of rallied back. And, you know, like I said, they really lost that game on an extra point. And you really saw it in that second half. Jaden Daniels started to be a little bit more comfortable. He started staying in the pocket a little bit longer and, and going through his progression. And then you kind of saw it, and you were like, man, if we can just get that for not even four quarters, if we can get that for three, maybe three and a half quarters, this team is going to be really, really good. And then, you know, I, I think another thing, too, was with defensive coordinator Matt House, we were really kind of iffy you know, about how good he was at in-game adjustments, how good his defense was going to stick with this, like, patchwork crew. I mean, we people don't understand that, like, for the Texas Bowl, they had 30-some dudes that were on scholarship, and that was it. Like, this team is being held together by, like, duct tape and Elmer's glue. Like, it, it, it's crazy to think about it, where we've come since, you know, last December up until now. And then I think, I think for me where it was like, okay, they, this is kind of eye-opening when they played Mississippi State, you know, and they beat them by two touchdowns. Everyone wants to talk, loves the, you know, the Mike Leach air raid offense, and that defense came out and just put a clamp down on them. I mean, they, they really did. They, they, they put a clamp down on them. They, they got pressure on the quarterback, and the offense was good. But at that point, we still really weren't getting all three phases of complete football. It was either like two and the special teams, you know, have been up and down, but 
I think Mississippi State, and then you shut out New Mexico 38-0, and you beat Auburn. And then you have the disaster against Tennessee, which everybody is kind of looking at like a throwaway game. Like, okay, you know, nobody was going to go, going to even come close to them at that time. And then, you know, it's been like one really good win after another, and they've gotten two top ten wins in three weeks. You know, the thing is about LSU, and I'm curious what you think about them, since they're in control of their own destiny of the SEC West, and Arkansas is in the way, and obviously the game against A&M at the end of the season uh, are going to be two ones that they had to get through in this division. But say if they win those, and say if they go to the SEC championship and beat Georgia, assuming Georgia's there, you have to put them in the college football playoff, right? Because, I mean, they got two losses, but winning the SEC and being able to beat a team like Georgia and beat Alabama, do you think that that will 100% happen if they get to that point and end up having two losses in the college football playoff? I mean, I, you have to. I mean, you, you just have to. Just just considering, like, where they started versus where they are now. And, and me personally, like, with this latest playoff ranking, I wanted them at five. Like, I, I really thought that with everything that they had done over the past two weeks and really over the past month, they deserve to be kind of on the outside of the playoff. But I, I really do. I think that, you know, if they take care of business this weekend in Fayetteville, they've got UAB after that, which is, you know, a ho-hum game uh, at home, and then they go on the road to A&M, which I think is one of those where, you know, last year it was one of those games where A&M came in, they were like, oh, they are going to obliterate. You know, they're going to obliterate LSU, and then LSU wins on a last-second Max Johnson touchdown pass. So that game is always interesting. I mean, College Station is a dumpster fire right now, so that it doesn't worry me as much as it did you know, last year, but it, there are so many games, and Brian Kelly, I'm with Brian Kelly as well. Like, I hate the term trap game. I just hate it. I think that that, you know, if you're not prepared to go into a game, like, no game should be a trap game. Um, but he has said, like, we're taking every game like it's Alabama. Not, not saying that, like, we're going to put UAB on that level, but we're preparing the same way every single week because you shouldn't just you know, ramp up your intensity and ramp up your enthusiasm and your focus because it's Alabama week and then just kind of let it dwindle down because it's Florida or Auburn or whomever. So I think the focus is like unlike anything we've seen from LSU, obviously in the past two years, but maybe even talking to some people that have been here for a while, even back to Les Miles era, even before then, like this team is mentally probably on a new level and probably one of the better ones in the country. Something else that may be in LSU's favor, assuming that they are able to win out, is that uh, with Michigan and Ohio State, you know that there's going to be a loss there. So it's not going to be as many undefeated teams in the college football four. But also that means they would just have to jump some of these one-loss teams essentially. And with the resume they put together – it, it seems that that would be enough. So that's something that works in their favor. The fact that Clemson lost this past weekend, we always see it kind of shake out in a sense where it, it just works out in the end. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, is like I, I really do – the two things for me that are keeping LSU at this point right now from getting into the top four are the two losses and really Tennessee. Because if Tennessee is always going to be ahead of them, but you know, let's say that you know they went out and, and Tennessee remains, 
you know, if LSU is four and Tennessee, I mean, uh, LSU is five and Tennessee is four, everyone's always going to say, well, you can't hop LSU over a team that blew them out at home. Like that, that's just the common logic that everyone wants to say. But I think that like at this point right now, like I don't want to say Tennessee is trending down, but compared to LSU, they're just not as hot of a team. Georgia kind of showed how, I don't know, human, you know, how regular they can be, especially with that offense or whatever. So that really, to me, is the only thing, Tennessee, that's holding them back from getting into the playoffs. But I still think if they run the table and they go to Atlanta and they win, they beat Georgia, whomever it is, um, they should be in the playoffs 100%. We're speaking with Matt Trent of WBRZ in Baton Rouge here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Oddline. So, uh, Matt, looking at this game specifically, you're coming off of the win against Alabama. I think Razorback fans are kind of reeling a little bit after the performance against Liberty. K.J. Jefferson's health is still in doubt. Is there any sort of concern of a possible hangover after a game like that? Because Razorback fans are hopeful that's the case. But how do you feel about uh, LSU and their motivations and – how they're going to uh, come into this game after such a big win against Bama. Yeah, and, and I would say, I mean, and you would know better, you know, than anyone, but I think if KJ Jefferson doesn't play, fans are not worried in the least. You know, like I, I don't think any I think that's the only X factor that would put a little bit of doubt. Um because there have been times where LSU has been, you know, a little bit kind of pedestrian when it comes to defending a, a, a running quarterback that also can throw a lot. And I really, though, I, I really want to see – this will probably, in my opinion, be the best rushing attack from a running back perspective. I think that this will be the best rushing attack that LSU has seen all year. They seem very kind of average running back um, thus far. And so I, I, I want to see how they – go up against an 1,000-yard rusher, a dude knows how to run, get in space, and make guys miss, because they had some problems with that, especially from that second level of the secondary sometimes with tackling. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know what the backup for Arkansas looks like. From what I've read, it's not a huge drop-off from KJ. I mean, you could tell me that better than anyone again, but I think if K.J. Jefferson doesn't play, I don't think anyone on the LSU beat or in the LSU fan base is worried at all. How comfortable are you if uh, Arkansas's defensive game plan is to stack the box, take away the run, and they're trying to force LSU and Jaden Daniels to beat them passing the ball? So if you would have asked me this after Florida State, I'd have been like, they're screwed. You know, they're absolutely screwed because at that point, you know, the progression and the comfortability of Jaden Daniels is just night and day from the first couple, like really from the first three or four games to now. You know, for Florida State, he was staying in the pocket too long. He wasn't really going through his reads. He was taking one read and he was taking off. And now, granted, through the first four games, even still now, he's the leading rusher for LSU. The quarterback is the leading rusher, and everybody wants to say, well, that's not good. Well, it's only not good if he's not throwing it at a high clip, too. And at that, at the very start of the season, he really wasn't. So teams were kind of, you know, a little bit stacking the box, but he's so elusive and he's so slippery, he was able to get out of stuff. Now he's much more of a complete quarterback. 
he's staying in the pocket and he's got that internal clock, but it's a different internal clock where he knows that if he gets to read three, he doesn't necessarily have to take off, but he can take off to find a different throwing lane, to shift the defense to where he can find another open receiver. I, I don't, again, I, I don't know that if, if anyone can do that at a high clip because Alabama tried a little bit, didn't work out so well, they had their moments. But Jaden Daniels is at a level right now. I mean, it, I, I don't know what you can do to him to, like, clamp him down. But the only, the only thing, too, is with the rushing game for LSU, their running backs just really aren't great. You know, they've got three or four, but they're not your bell cow, your big play guys. They're just kind of compliments to Jaden Daniel and his running style because he is so elusive. So that I think for me that's going to be an interesting thing to look at is the LSU running backs and how productive they can be should Arkansas be able to take Jaden Daniels away. So, Matt, when I say – the battle for the golden boot and the rivalry and the trophy and everything involved. What, what does that make you think? What, what, what do you say about that as far as this rivalry, this trophy, this boot, this history and everything? I am a sucker for prop rivalry games. Like if you give me a trophy to go along with a rivalry game, I'm all for it. You know, back in the days, of NCAA football on PlayStation. I love that. When you won and you get the hoist, you know, the axe or, you know, the, the golden boot, you know, whatever. But LSU fans, I'll be totally honest, they really do not care. They do not care. I mean, the last time that, you know, Arkansas was here, um, they left the trophy on the field. So they didn't take it in with them, and they just kind of left it out on the field because I remember being at that game and – the, the team files in, you know, to the locker room after the game and the field's clear and there's the trophy just sitting out, you know, on the field. So I, I think it's a – I don't – I think Arkansas probably views it more intensely than LSU does because there's just an inherent hate for LSU with Arkansas fans. LSU enjoys it just because it's a conference game and it's, you know, just another trophy. But in terms of care – terms of like I love this rivalry it's not really high on LSU fans list I'll be honest how good are the receivers on this team we've seen quite a bit in the past where the receivers that are at LSU you don't really see their true talents until they make it to the next level and you realize how good they are now you got a good freshman tight end and Mason Taylor but what about some of the other receivers and how good are they man when you're talking about dudes that like you said, you really don't know how talented they are until they get to the next level. Kayshawn Boutte is going through that a little bit this year. I mean, they have totally taken him out, and he's found a way to, you know, be the second leading receiver on this team, but he's only got, I think, like 340 yards, maybe a touchdown or so. They've, con- they've totally taken him out, you know, of, of, the, of the conversation. So, really, it's been young guys like Brian Thomas, um, Malik Neighbors is the leading, like, in terms of yards, he's the leading receiver right now. Um, they've got a lot of dudes, but they don't have, like, Justin Jefferson isn't rolling out there. Jamar Chase isn't rolling out there. It's a lot of, like, possession guys who have the ability to pop the top, but don't do it every single play. Like, Jare Jenkins is a fifth-year senior, and he's third on the team in, in receiving. So, it's not your typical 
like LSU, you know, we're going to have a first-round wide receiver, which I think Kayshawn Booty has the potential. Um, I think he's done enough on tape the first two years to maybe put himself in the first-round conversation. But it really isn't. It's been kind of – and I shouldn't say down because all these receivers are crazy talented. But compared to LSU standards in the past, it really has been a down year for receivers. All right, before we let you get out of here, Matt, just for the Arkansas fans' sake, if Arkansas is going to win this game against LSU on Saturday, how do they do it? What's this recipe? How do you beat LSU? I think I, I think defensively um, you, you get a lot of pressure on Jaden Daniels and you make sure that you tackle him in space because he is fantastic at – once he gets to the second level, he makes dudes miss and gets another 15 yards after just with his pure athleticism. I think if you can take him away, keep him relatively immobile, I think you've got a chance. And offensively, the only, the only, the really only thing for LSU defense, they just, they've had moments where they just can't tackle. So if you can get guys in space and if you can get around the edge, not let LSU set the edge with their crazy athletic defensive end, and you can chip away. You don't have to. See, that's the thing. Is like with LSU, with their defense the way it is, and their poor tackling and you know their lapses in the second level, people think that, oh, we can just get huge chunks of 20 and 25 yards here and there, where you can't do that with anybody. So I think the teams that have had relative success, they've just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away.